Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Max Verstappen takes his first win in Baku. 1-2 for Red Bull, fastest lap for Checo Perez, and a double DNF for Ferrari. Uh, My name is Martin Lee. Welcome to the podcast. And as sick as I may sound, it's like I've regressed a few years and my voice is breaking again. I won't be as sick as Charles Leclerc is feeling this evening. We're going to get into all of the events of today and ask some pretty important questions and play a few what-ifs as well. Uh, Joined on the podcast today by Alex Kalanokis, Jess McFadden and Hayden Cobb. Right, let's kick off then. Alex, I'll come straight to you. Verstappen made it look easy, and I know that because after he took the lead, I counted four times we saw him on TV. One time he had a pit stop, and they filmed him crossing the line. And you know that's a race when someone has just got it in the bag and the TV coverage is not interested. That's my official uh, way of measuring how good someone's race was, uh, clearly. Uh, Verstappen, as soon as Leclerc had retired, as soon as he took Perez, it was done and dusted, right? He made that look so easy. In fact, he was even talking on the radio about how slow he didn't want to drive. That was a, a pretty big masterclass today. Right, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, Martin. That does uh, that does sum up how dominant Verstappen was in the end. But I think the, the discussion about the lap time is more of a reflection of Red Bull 
and Verstappen, well, more the Red Bull was reminding Verstappen just exactly how wrong this race can go in the, in the slightest moment. As we saw in 2021, the tyres exploding, you know, that's obviously always a concern when you've got, you know, walls are closed, there could be carbon fibre around. And also a late race safety car really could have, could have swung, swung things. You know, if, if for example, um, the Red Bulls have just passed the pits and George Russell is able to stop when there's a big incident at the end, he could have somehow vaulted into the lead. So I think they were that those were the concerns. But in terms of, as we saw, out and out pace to the finish, no one was, was stopping Verstappen. And it's interesting because it's it's quite a, a, a response to yesterday, obviously with Perez ending up ahead of him in qualifying, Leclerc beating both of them. I think it's a reflection more of Leclerc is just able to just, just, he's just so sensationally fast. He makes what is a faster package in the Red Bull look like the, basically makes the Ferrari package look better than it is so I think the Red Bull is a much better package this season it's just sort of Leclerc is, is, is ultimately making the difference um, but Verstappen was second best so to come back the way he did in the race tremendous Perez you know master of the tyres was made to look pretty ordinary and again that's just a reflection of how good Verstappen is and it's an element of his game because he's so good at so many other things he's, he's a bit underrated so Jess Red Bull now 1-2 in the drivers championship they're starting to run away with it well as we saw the Ferraris implode did put a tweet out that said yikes is this for the end of Ferrari's championship um, contention but as lots of people on Twitter like to remind me we're only a third of the way through the season and we were having those exact same conversations but the other way around when Red Bull were having their reliability issues um, earlier in the season so it's not it's not looking great they've not had a great run of races for and I think the, 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 the key difference here is it's not all about reliability it has been about making bad strategy calls um, and throwing away points where you would hope that on days like today where you are a victim of attrition then you can kind of back it up because you've you've been perfect the rest of the time but Ferrari haven't whereas Red Bull where the points have mattered have been able to be consistent so I think that's the that's going to be the worry for Ferrari is that if they clearly do have a reliability problem because four of the cars that DNF today were Ferrari powered it's definitely of a concern and they're going to be left going straight into Canada so no time to even really think about it straight into Canada which is an awful journey really to go from Baku to Canada is pretty <laughs> hardcore um but yeah they, there's there's going to be a lot of question marks and 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 as we know as we saw last season a strong Verstappen is extremely hard to reel back in and it took Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton last season to find absolutely everything that they possibly could to rein him back in and have it finish as close as we as we did last season not to bring last season back up and give everybody triggered memories yeah. can I just very, anyway, can, I, I think, can I make a very quick point about last season because it kept annoying me I kept seeing this on the TV coverage and all over the internet as well people going oh Hamilton's mistake at Baku cost him the world title it cost him the win guaranteed did not cost him the world title because he had the world title won before the saga at the end. If, if that had been done as it always had been before, he still probably wins the world title. But anyway, a minor, a minor gripe. It's a good show. Me. <laughs> no, it's a good show. Do you feel better for that now, Alex? A little you bit. It's just really annoying me because it's just like, it's, it's just like, it's not, it's not right. It's like, yeah, it did, it, of course it would have helped, but it, even in spite of that error, he still put himself in a position to win without the rules just being made up in a completely new way. But anyway, there we go. If this is the, is this, if they're going to be the continuation of Ferrari form, then I really hope we're not just going to have a Red Bull run away with it because 
we all want more than that, right? We want to see Ferrari back up there competing for titles. And if we get to halfway point and it's not looking likely, I mean, I hate the fact that we're even having this conversation a third of the way through. So let's hope not. Let's hope, let's be optimists. Let's hope that it's going to be a resurgence. <laughs> no. I think, no, Alex thinks it's not. Just, okay, great. I'll pass over to you then, Alex. Yeah, sorry to be, again, as usual, the voice of doom and gloom. But the problem is, is Red Bull just so good. Like, look at what happened yeah. to them after Bahrain and Melbourne when the thoughts were that, oh, White Ferrari is going to run away with it now. How can Leclerc lose a 40-odd point leader, whatever he had, right? The problem is, is Red Bull have made that car better at every stage. And Ferrari, while it definitely did improve things in Spain, Things just aren't going right. Like the, en- the, the the engine problems that's happening. Science had a separate hydraulic issue go wrong today. And it's just a little bit, you just get the sense, you know, I'm not saying this is definitely going to play out, but you just get a sense with teams that Ferrari is still not quite the finished product. product. Look at the, the jack problem that hit Leclerc today when he came in under the virtual safety car. And whereas Red Bull, they just, it's just when the momentum is with them, the fact that they've improved that car, which was already probably still at least not very close with Ferrari, the standout car coming out of testing, they've made it They've made it better. Whereas Ferrari, things just keep seeming to be going wrong. They can turn that around. It's just they haven't been able to prove that they can do it yet. Well, it's a good time to bring Hayden in to talk about uh, you and your team at autosport.com have been covering all of the racing action this weekend, which of course includes Le Mans, which is why you've been up uh, since sunrise this morning with a five o'clock alarm call so firstly thank you for all of that coverage of lots happening um this weekend but let's let's talk about uh, how we'll be reporting this ferrari issue now mattia bonotto comes from the engineering side of the business he doesn't come from sponsorship or automotive he knows how the ferrari machine works but also the pressure on his shoulders is going to be because and it's it's there because they have a championship winning car so, how's your reading of Ferrari? Are you as pessimistic as Alex? Have they thrown it away after a third of the season? I want to say no, but want to say no, but just because they keep finding new and inventive ways to throw away dominant positions. Now, obviously, Monaco with the strategy mess up that we all know of, and Leclerc was obviously very unhappy with that. But they sort well. It was difficult to say with the race only sort of a third through, but they sort of played a blinder in terms of bringing Leclerc in at the right time. Then it had the sort of the net lead when the first pit stop sh- um, shaked out, and it literally was in the lead for a lap before the engine went pop. And it's just like, ah, uh, you get one thing right, then the next thing goes wrong, and and then you get go move on a race, and you get the engine right, but then you get the strategy wrong, and yeah, the the weight of I guess the Italian world uh, will certainly be on Benotto's, uh, Benotto's shoulders uh, tonight. I mean, it's not just him and him alone that's putting the uh, the cars and the engines together, of course. Yeah, but Ferrari, Ferrari being the beast that it is, yes. uh, they it, they have stuck with him a long time, and he is, I think, the right person for the job. And you know, not just someone who's coming comes in, you know, looks great, has a great sound bite on the camera, but he comes from a bit of the business that was needed to make these cars fast and to understand them. If they stick with him for long enough yeah definitely and they should. I, I, I think they will they, they're certainly going in the right direction you look over sort of the last yeah two three years and and it certainly going into this year they they learned how to or remembered how to win again but what we're seeing now is over a course of a season over how to win a title through that development race through that pushing on 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 all areas that Alex just alluded to there where Rebel are 
um, completely dominant currently because they are pushing in all areas. And yes, there's been talk about pushing on the, the cost cap and the edging on there. And we'll sort of see how that plays out as the, the season goes on. But yeah, it does seem just Ferrari are dropping too many balls too in, diff- in too many areas too frequently here. And so that's why I'm sort of thinking, yeah, if, if, if this keeps going on, to be honest, and, and it is literally only needs to happen for the next eight, nine weeks because of the race, the rate of races that are coming up, that brings you to the summer break. And yeah, that gap could easily be well, double, if not if not treble what it is currently, given the, how much the points have swung in that sort of similar time after the back of Australia when, when Leclerc again was looking looking dominant and almighty with his, with his points lead. So yeah, they need to do some learning and some fixing and pretty fast because there's a, yeah, there's a heck of a lot of races coming up that not all will suit them either. Well, that will play to the Red Bull strengths and, and therefore they've they've missed opportunities already where on paper it was meant to suit them. Um, and, and yeah, they just can't afford too many more of these. Otherwise, like, as you say, the, the, yeah, this title will probably be, be over before we get to the autumn. Later in the season, if they're running through a rate of knots of, through power units, we're going to have penalty problems that are going to come back and haunt them too. So it's all it all compounds, which I think is why I originally, like, I agree with the guys, even though I was trying to be the optimist. I think my initial thought was, this is not this is not good. I know that sounds a really obvious thing to say. I feel like I'm sometimes Captain Obvious on this podcast, but it's it's gonna it compounds. And 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 as Hayden raised the the cost cap, Ferrari are one of the teams that are most worried about the cost cap. So they can't really afford to to have anything that is looking to potentially turn against them. So PU penalties um, or just. Uh, grid place penalties for needing to replace parts as we said science's issue wasn't a PU issue today um, we're gonna we're, they're gonna struggle we have Jonathan Noble in Azerbaijan we have Matt Q over there as well we have other colleagues I was at my mother-in-law's so I didn't have live timing so I'm so excited to dig into this question that's been bugging me ever since because we've got Alex you know this is your job you know after free practice you're there writing those Autosport Plus articles digging into the timing so let's get into this chat then could Charles Leclerc have won that race today. Max Verstappen says no. When we spoke to him after the race, he said, I could have closed the gap to Leclerc. Then, of course, you have a race on your hands. He said that he was confident he could have caught Charles Leclerc um, at the time when Leclerc was in the, the lead. We had that uh, that virtual safety car. Ferrari took the pit stop. Red Bull left them out. Now, I am i didn't have live timing today. I couldn't look at lap times. It was bugging the life out of me. Was was this a foregone conclusion or did were we really denied a cracking battle? What do we, you we were definitely denied. I don't know whether it would have been a cracking battle, but there, there are various elements that were denied because look back to Miami and Imola and Ferrari defeated in the hotter weather on the softer compounds. Now you've got very hot weather and very soft compounds in uh, in Baku and Ferrari are adamant that they have made progress which has been unable to show it. Leclerc disappeared from the field in Spain, okay, helped by Max Verstappen throwing it off the road, but he was he was on course to win that race and that would have given us a bit of evidence to see whether they had improved in that area. Uh, Monaco, completely different race, you know, no evidence gathered there. Here again, just when it shaped up to looking like, right, has Ferrari cured its problems with tyre management? The engine problem happens. But I think I think Verstappen is right. He was closing in on Leclerc, but of course he did have um, the, the the fresh rubber from his pit stop. But Ferrari did. I mean, for, for the criticism that, that we've given them, that that stopping under the virtual safety car was 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 very good call because I think Leclerc was very close uh, to the pit exit. I think Red Bull said to Verstappen, "Right, do the opposite of what um, your rival does there." But getting him in was was a smart call because he gains, you know, sort of I think about ten seconds of race time by doing it. So. 
probably would have beaten Perez. I don't I don't see if, if Perez's race plays out the same. Leclerc, I think, would have, probably would have come out ahead of him. But the question is, what would have happened with Verstappen? Well, Ferrari had two choices. They could have just left him running to the end and say, right, Max, you overtake us on the track. You've used up all the good life of your tyres. Ferrari say that they were confident Leclerc could have done that. But I think probably the more likely scenario would, would have been that Leclerc would have been brought in for a second stop, gone back to the medium tyres and then done his own bit of passing at the end. That would make the most logical sense. Plus, you know, it's Baku. Okay, we don't we, we know how it worked out in reality, but there's there's always the risk of a, of a safety car. And, and and honestly, when Kevin Magnussen stopped the way he did, and there was like a a, a, a service a, a course car blocking that bit of the wall, I was like, well, that that could potentially be a red flag if they can't push that car back there. But it was it it, it was sorted. So anyway, um, yeah, just irritating as you say. You mentioned Martin. You mentioned that um, FP two um, practice, you know, uh, long run pace analysis stuff we have to do. It's irritating that we still don't have the answers to know whether Ferrari finally have uh, cured their weakness there. But yeah, we certainly were denied. Whether it would have been a thrilling, you know, wheel to wheel fight, I don't know, but it certainly would have been a much, much, much more interesting race. And if I may get something else off my chest, if some when people when people say, Go "Oh, isn't on. it brilliant when the cars break down?" No, it's not. I get it. it it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> dramatic at the end of the race. If, it happens, if something happens, if an engine blows in the last lap, I can totally understand why that's um, why that's intriguing and dramatic. But when something like that happens to Leclerc today the spectacle was gone because Verstappen was always going to beat Perez because he just was, he was just the better driver on the day. So yeah, it just annoys me when people go, oh, isn't it brilliant when the cars break down? You need to have a chat with Matt Q then because one of his, uh, his video suggestions for our YouTube channel was why races need to have more attrition uh, to spice no, things up. No, so, I mean, let, let's not go right, back 30 I, I need to have, years to the 80s. When? I need to have so <laughs> no. many conversations with him. And no, I'm just, that's a joke. That's, that is a joke. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, no, no, you don't. No, I do because no. I've got I've got I've got things to update him on on the world outside of Formula One, which are interesting. But anyway, oh, um, okay. I just right. think that it's the, the the teams they're they're brilliant in the modern era. Like, wasn't it a bit embarrassing when like teams were running out of fuel in the 80s and 90s and just a bit yes. sort of? Oh, okay. It was embarrassing. You know, I just think Leclerc dropping out because of a reliability problem ruined that race. They kept saying, "Where's Perez's pace gone?" And I'm thinking. It's a 1-2 Red Bull. He's 20 seconds behind one of the great drivers who's now in the top 10 win lists of all time. And he and he's putting and he got fastest lap and he's putting in some decent laps. Okay, he's not winning, but where has Perez's pace gone? Nowhere. It's absolutely on show. He's doing a stellar job. It's a bit of recency bias with Perez. Like don't get me wrong, he's done a very very good job this season, but Verstappen is still better. It's just Verstappen probably might have beaten him maybe even beating Leclerc to pole position in Monaco and then the whole narrative is different around Perez at the moment Verstappen can't cope with the understeer problem that means he can't quite extract the absolute maximum of the car and Perez loves that so he's much much happier so Perez is good and in qualifying that the fact that Verstappen can't get what he just wants right at the end is bringing them closer together and then in the races that aren't Monaco Verstappen is still I think he's still gonna he's, nine times out of ten will beat Perez because that's just he, he's he's the better of the two of them whether it's you know relentless over the course of a stint or even dare I say it again to the Perez the, the time master Verstappen was better than him today so it's a little bit of like yeah the circumstances are, are showing Perez to to be excellent and he's excellent and as I say having a great season but that whole oh where's Perez's pace disappeared well it's because one qualifying is different to the race <laughs> and Verstappen was better so there some, we go some serious whiplash isn't there going on like because I guess the same the same can be said for Ricardo, right? Now, like the the expectations yes. for Ricardo going into Canada are probably going to be sky high, and yet 
before we got into the race, everybody was writing him off. It's it, but I agree with Alex. It's crazy. Like I just I do hope or wish that we had a little bit of normalcy and just kind of could take things for what they are but I feel like that's asking quite a lot from uh, the F1 fandom um, and media spin that likes to kind of attach itself to the drivers that are giving us the most drama I guess and and Perez is is kind of one of them as, as Alex says in, in the past couple races his narrative is is far more interesting if we want to believe that he can take it to Verstappen but the likelihood is he can't so I think, yeah, we just kind of need a little bit of like after the thrill of after the thrill of Monaco, I think we needed a little bit of a reality check, really. Um, and this mm. was it, I think. And, that, and that, that comes that comes with the gap. He's beaten by 20 seconds today. It's massive. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah I guess so. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, about the Mercedes then, next, who came home on the road third and fourth, should have been fifth and sixth. I mean, they I, I can say should have been, but they were a net fifth and sixth on pace today. Maybe even that's flattering. Have you any updates from, in case our, our listeners maybe not have watched the event today, or maybe they switched off straight away afterwards, any updates on autosport.com of, of Lewis Hamilton's condition? He not only complained on the radio about serious back pain halfway through the the race with the bouncing of the Ferrari, but um, he was a long, long time getting out of that car. Uh, any updates that have come through? Yeah, so he's yeah he's a bit sore to put it to put it politely, um, feeling it in in the uh, the bouncing and just that the the pressures that are currently going through the drivers with that sort of up and down movement. There was there was talk of they're estimating it some of the hits, the bigger hits, um, almost hitting up to six G. Which given that they go through corners at slightly smaller G than that, having that as a vertical load. Yeah, you could probably do it once or twice, but having it for a, yes, a, an hour and thirty-four minute race uh, non-stop is yeah. No wonder he's feeling it pretty badly. He's, he's hurting. He's getting physios, getting acupuncture, he's getting treatment for it. Uh, as is George Russell and a, and a few more of them. But clearly, it's the Mercedes that are, that are hurting the most at the moment. Um, there's some some doubt that Hamilton uh, won't be fit for the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, I. I highly doubt that's going to come to to pass I, I feel like um there would have to be something seriously wrong on on a medical grounds for all them out to to stop Lewis Hamilton getting in a Formula One car maybe Silverstone though because Canada is going to be terrible for bouncing again surely so maybe it will uh maybe it will sign him out of his home Grand Prix well if you if you were bored of street circuits kids don't turn off just yeah, yet. Exactly. We so got more for you. We, we we shall see, but he'll he'll be there. There's <laughs> there's no, no doubt about that. Um, I suspect that story might have come from he was asked. Uh, Toto Wolf was asked after the, uh, by one of I don't know whether it was the TV or or somewhere. Um, could Lewis Hamilton miss Canada or how bad it would be if he missed Canada? And Toto was kind of non-committal. Was like, well, yeah, he could miss Canada. Like he might. He didn't know his condition, and I think that turned into yeah, Lewis yeah. Hamilton bit, could bit, miss Canada. A little but, bit spun, I mean, as you say. It'd be it'd be uh, you know a serious serious issue, but it's serious load that's going through the car. So. Well, I, I, th- I think there's a there's a wider 
a wider sort of game at play here. There's there's briefing from various parts of the paddock about the porpoising issue and about what's going on. And the you know basically the point is that it's like right, it's a safety issue, so we should be allowed to alter the cars. And some teams are saying, well, no, hang on, why you you messed the design up? That's that jack the ride height up and the issue goes away. So, but the point is, if you bang on and on about safety. That's you know that it obviously doesn't play well with people who are thinking well how can Lewis Hamilton be hurting himself and I have every sympathy for him and, and things like that but I just don't I just don't think the other teams that got their designs right should should have to, you know should should give an advantage back to teams that aren't I'm not saying necessarily it just centres on Mercedes uh, with this but what's interesting is that yeah people are saying well hang on a minute this was pointed out to the teams and the teams were like no nah, don't worry it's fine and then that now it's all, it's all sort of coming back so there's a wider sort of it's, it's, it's all involved yeah, in the politics always... and obviously no one ever want to, want to see a driver miss a race because they're hurt or because they are getting injured but it's it's not it's, it's just a bizarre yeah, issue this game's it? being played as, as as always and and yeah Alex spot on the easiest solution for Mercedes is yeah just just increase the ride height therefore no development costs no no safety because everyone's healthy but they lose performance and that's not what they're here for because they won't then win races or get on podiums so yeah they're obviously going to be pushing other areas where they can get solutions, whether it's to solve their porpoising issue or rather bring it the level playing field a bit closer through through different means. But to, to, yeah, to come back to the, the general situation, they're, they're still largely where, where they were before. It does seem that when they're at smoother tracks or just track by track, it is incredibly variable. Yeah, like for example, that Spanish Grand Prix, it looked almost solved. They were very optimistic in that. And then you get through Monaco and Baku, uh, street circuits, different tarmacs, different setups, and everything, and it's suddenly as worse as it's ever been. So it will, yeah, it will, it will swing from from race to race until they basically get on top of it. And, wh- and whether that even comes down to car concept in terms of there has been this talk of do they do they give up on this this concept? Uh, it's probably too early to say, but yeah, if if they can't solve it, then at some point they may just have to give up on it. But we're a long way from knowing that answer yet. But we're still in this bit of. They're looking for a fix. They're looking for a fix. But like we mentioned about Ferrari, we've we've suddenly got five, six races coming up in about six or seven weeks. So if they don't have an answer soon, there's going to be a lot more bouncing around and and painful backs. And yet George Russell, he didn't look as affected a, a fraction of the amount of Lewis. And yet taller drivers are meant to suffer more from it. It, it is a, a, an odd subject to uh, to fully get your head around. Seems like a good time to run down the driver's standings as we are after the event. Max Verstappen on 150 points uh, with two DNFs this season, followed by teammate Sergio Perez on 129. The head now, as I mentioned, of Charles Leclerc also on two DNFs, but... Maybe worth pointing out uh, that uh, Max Verstappen has retired from races that he wasn't due to get such a big points haul. If that makes sense, Leclerc has retired from bigger points losing positions. Uh, George Russell continuing that amazing run, even being called Mr. Consistency uh, by his team on the radio in fourth. Uh, Carlos Sainz uh, with 83 points, Lewis Hamilton 62, Lando on 50, uh, in eighth place Valtteri Bottas on 40 points, followed by Esteban Ocon 31, Pierre Gasly um, 16. So the Mercedes the Mercedes team coming away from a, a, an event once again where they're going to be really happy with the result today because of external factors, not because they've solved anything. Yeah, it's pretty mad that George Russell is closer to Leclerc in points than Leclerc is to 
Verstappen. But I don't think any of us thought that based on the performance of Mercedes, it's it's pretty crazy. And the fact that Mercedes is closer to Ferrari than Ferrari is to Red Bull is probably not where we thought we would be at this stage in the in the competition. But as we said, you know, Mercedes has been the most reliable car. It's the only car on the grid that hasn't had a DNF this season. Considering all their problems, George is also the only one <laughs> who's, amazing, who's brought home points every race. So although painful, consistency is key in at least staying in the, the battle because you know, we could be in a position where we're talking about George Russell actually in the battle, at least mathematically, whether or not it's going to turn out realistically, I'm probably not. I mean, I did joke that imagine if... You know, Red Bull and Ferrari implode. This is like the mo- most ultimate what if ever. And George just keeps putting in results and wins on consistency. We have seen world championships won on consistency rather than uh, runaway or you know the most wins. So it's 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 an interesting one. It's 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 kind of a bit of a strange narrative that we're going to have throughout this season. But they just seem to be dogged with too many issues in terms of their outright performance that. And for me, like just not to, to dwell too much on the the, the bouncing issues and the, the safety concerns, but I know it is a, it's a massive, massive, massive talking point on Twitter. It's quite dark, isn't it? To use your drivers as a pawn to get what you want performance wise. It's quite dark. How far do you go? How far do you push that as an advantage? But we did hear that after the, um, the, the all the drivers came together to discuss, was there an issue with bouncing? And all of them said yes, apart from one. Any guesses who that driver was. Go on. It was Fernando Alonso. Oh, The only driver who said that there wasn't an issue. All the other drivers agreed that there is something going on here. Like, it is it is uncomfortable, even if they're all suffering from varying degrees of it. Um, and I do agree with, with both Hayden and Alex in terms of those that are on top of it shouldn't really be penalised by the FIA coming in and mandating things or allowing people to change it. You know, the as they said, if you've, if you've got it wrong, it's kind of on you and, and you can't cry wolf to say that it's a safety issue if, if, it, if it can be fixed. Um, but yes, it's quite, it's quite interesting that Alonso was the one driver to say, ah, there's nothing wrong here. Definitely. And this would, this would be me totally speculating and a perfect thing to ask him for Canada. But given he is the driver with the most experience in other categories and in other cars, where he's been in WEC, he's been in IndyCar, as in the Indy 500... Dakar he's been in a rally car like there's a, obviously a lot more forces in, involved in different points in those types of cars and those types of races so I mean he could easily just say yeah you think this is bad go sit in a Dakar rally car for two weeks and see how you feel after that but he had a pretty crazy crash in Dakar right like he's like ah yeah, yeah. walk straight out no problem what are you complaining about this is easy. what's this Formula going? One's easy so, yeah, exactly. so, it's, so it'd be interesting to see if he's using that as a reference point or or he just generally does feel he's yeah it's fine and doesn't have, doesn't know what everyone's worried about and then Jess, just a quick word. I mean, you've known George Russell over the years, followed his career uh, progressing, not intimately. Um, I wasn't hinting at anything there, but you've, you, you know, you followed him as he's progressed through Formula One. Uh, I'm you his getting, stalker. Yes, uh, you, you are his stalker. Um, have you, uh, do you have the same sense that I do, that he has absolutely matured into a team leader, which is an insane thing to say when you are Lewis Hamilton's teammate but on the radio afterwards you got Toto apologizing to Lewis saying we know we've built a shit box we're really sorry and then on, on this you know on the radio George Russell saying great work team let's move forward together and not just the kind of platitudes that all drivers say you know hey team thanks to the factory but he sounds like he means it and he and he is as super focused as, as ever who like I'm just amazed at, at how he's settled into that right he has not been beaten into submission by Lewis Hamilton at all in fact the opposite he's- 
he's always been a team leader. Whatever team he's been at, he has been the number one driver. And he's, I think that's one thing that he's always had. And some, some people used to criticize him for it, especially in the feeder series, but he knows what he wants and he can be quite direct in, in, in talking to the team and getting what he wants. And he's always had that his entire life. So in that respect, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, going into a team with Lewis Hamilton as your teammate is probably the next step up. But the fact that he's pulling in the performances probably now gives him the confidence to go, oh, hey, I can carry on this way of, of working because as it stands right now, I'm the one bringing in the, in, the, in the points. I still do get the sense though, and I wonder if it is just because obviously... George has been very, very careful this year to be very respectful about Lewis and, and how Lewis is performing and how they're working as a team. And, and that, to me, does still give me the indication that George sees us as, as Lewis's team. Um, and I think, you know, there's, I mean, there's a load of rumours flying around as to what's going on um, on either side of the garage, which we don't have proof of, so probably not right to speculate about. But that's the only thing that gives me a sense that He's not kind of looking to over, like take over this team and, and, and lead it in a certain direction. But there will come a point where Mercedes might have to to kind of double down on George, as, we've, as we talk about with all the teams, just because of the, the two, uh, the fact that you have two players in a team. I think that's a reflection of George knowing it's his team as well, if you see what I mean. Like he's smart enough to know there's no point going on and destabilising things publicly when he may well be the Mercedes future for, for five, yeah. six, seven, eight years to come. Who knows what's going to happen in, in the next few years? You know, Lewis could call it could call it quits very very soon. Who knows? But yeah, he's he's uh, he's smart with what he says. Sometimes it, it's almost like he's too smart. He's like, oh, George, give us give us something <laughs> controversial. But he's just no. He plays that team game so well to his credit. And also, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to be doing anything else because not only is he not causing them issues, you know, outside the car in the press. He's delivering with the car on the track. So I love, yeah, I love his radio. I want to talk uh, about sort of a handful of drivers and cars next, which I, I, any of these could have got decent uh, results and all did get decent results. Pierre Gasly coming home for Alpha Tauri in fifth, Sebastian Vettel in sixth, Fernando Alonso in seventh, ahead of the two McLarens of Ricardo and Lando Norris. And lots to unpack uh, here. Firstly, I think there's a decent shout for Sebastian Vettel to be driver of the day because even though he binned it off uh, by outbreaking himself he still ran the mediums for 10 laps and the hards for 43 had amazing pace for much of the race um, and still got a great result so Alex you can now tell me uh, why I'm wrong yeah. <laughs> because he threw it off the road was he threw it off the road fighting Gasly like, therefore, was, and he was, made it if back. you're going to do the driver and he made it back game. he made it good he atones. Yeah, yeah, but Verstappen he didn't do it. Verstappen didn't throw it off the road, did he? <laughs> Not this week. You can't, you got, you can't discount the mistake. It's like, well, like I, well, I remember talking to a press room colleague. Actually, our former colleague at Autosport, Ed Straw, uh, and and uh, and I think it was the one of the Austrian races in 2020 or maybe 2021, where Kimi Raikkonen just crashed into Vettel at the end of the race and his driver ratings he got a load of criticism by people going like oh well, how can you mark Kimi down for that did you not see what the rest of his race was well like, no, it, it, it still counts the error still counts so as good as Vettel was and he was very good the okay. error still counts so that's why he cost can't him drive fifth, fifth place it uh, so, cost him fourth place yeah, yeah imagine what he could have done arguably yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. so he cost him two places there uh, uh, yeah. but good recovery all the but same. still had an amazing an amazing that day 180 spin 
very very impressed almost taking out Snowder as well you know like full style points <laughs> it was a little bit eager to get back on the track from the escape road wasn't it he was like oh you've done the cool spin move and it's just oh just you know you've got to hold yeah. back he didn't even come to a stop he just the whole thing was like beautiful to watch because wasn't it Norris in practice that got the spin move wrong and ended up having to do an Austin Powers at least it wasn't a wreck anything special that year he got oh he got goodness. stuck on that escape road and <laughs> couldn't even work out that he needed to turn the steering wheel in order to uh, turn the car. Um, but there we go. I love, I mean, Baku just gives us the best takeaways and memories. It's, it's an unforgiving track, but it does give us good memes. Okay, before we move on down the rest of the grid, I want to say a huge thank you to our sponsor of the Autosport podcast for many episodes uh, this year. We are brought to you with our friends at Better Help and Better Help Online Therapy. Life can be overwhelming sometimes and people get burned out without even knowing it sometimes. Symptoms can be lack of motivation, you can feel helpless, you can feel trapped, you can feel uh, fatigued, or if the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Yes, we are talking about Formula One on this podcast and there is no greater intensity to be a team boss so i'll ask you guys which team would you not want to be the team boss of hayden i'll start with you who's under the most pressure right now given current circumstances ferrari you would you would say with how it's going but if i was to be a team manager i guess i'd have to pick just by locality mclaren because i live two minutes away from the factory so easy commute short commute alex Oh, it's got to be alpine because you've got to manage fernando alonso i mean that sounds that sounds like a nightmare i would say Red Bull because you'll have Helmut Marco breathing down your neck so and that man terrifies me so I think I'd find that extremely stressful all good answers and I'm sure any of the Formula 1 teams if you run one of those you have plenty of sleepless nights but burnout with work not the only cause many people think that it is purely down to work but many things in your life can help you feel burned out and better help online therapy want to remind you to well put you as the number one. They offer customised online therapy that offers video, phone, live chat with your therapist. You can do it how you want to do it. That makes you feel the most comfortable. It's not necessarily a, a camera chat, for instance. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched in under 48 hours with someone you connect with. Autosport podcast listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash autosport. That is betterhelp.com slash Autosport, right, let's get back to working our way down the grid. Alpha Tauri then. Um, Alpha Tauri, uh, Yuki Sonoda uh, down in 13th. Oh, Poor Yuki, but lots to talk about there he, as well. Well, it's also a worry for Red Bull yeah. because, you know, the teams share a lot of uh, a lot of information because as soon as Sonoda had his his problem, Red Bull would like to stop him. Right, no more DRS. <laughs> There's clearly there's clearly concerns there. We know Red Bull obviously go, went quite extreme with the with the weight saving. That's still something. There's still okay. Let, let me inject a bit of positivity back in. There still could be things that Red Bull get wrong, like their DRS, which was still a nightmare in opening practice. So they still haven't quite. So what was the Sonoda final? Uh, did they tell us what the, the the final issue was about what what happened with 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 his rear wing? Apart from it just broke. Apart from uh, it, it just broke. Um, so, and, yes. and the answer to everything is to Blue Peter double-sided sticky tape by the look of it. I That's, mean, that, I was mean taking a, that was taking a note out of NASCAR and WRC's handbook. It's like... I know, stick some tape on it. Anything can yeah. be fixed with duct tape. <laughs> but also, I was like, people were like, oh no, how can, how can they do that? How, how it can't be safe. I was like, well, if it doesn't use it, it's fine. Yeah, as long as it's... Down, duct, I, thought duct tape, I thought the duct tape was a perfectly acceptable Yes, yeah. because the, you know, the, the, the airflow is holding it down. It's not going to lift up. Just put some tape on. Uh, there's going to be no repercussions, surely. It's not, it's not sellotape. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit stronger than that. 
Pierre Gasly chose to um, uh, which virtual safety card did he not pit under? I don't have my second notes open on screen, one. but the second one didn't take the tyres. But still, great points uh, for Alpha Tauri, followed by Sebastian uh, Vettel, which, as we've discussed, if he hadn't binned it by outbreaking himself, could have been could have been a fourth uh, ahead of Lewis Hamilton because he was a, he had track position on Lewis at the time when he did that. But I'd still say he had a fantastic uh, event and and Fernando Alonso. <laughs> so let me ask the question then, because the Alpines had the barely there aero package this weekend. If Baku is all about low drag, Alex. Why didn't more teams go ultra low drag on that? Because Alonso absolutely made that work by being impossible to pass on the straights and holding everybody up on the bendy bits. It's because it has corners as well. Sorry to be facetious. (laughs) Um, But it's not like like Monza. And it's more sort of, it it is very, very technical. Like the Ferrari, I I actually think, again, uh, let me again try and inject a bit of positivity back into the into the podcast uh, of Ferrari, <laughs> their skinny rear wing, rear wing that um, they brought to Miami didn't end up racing it. That seems to have done very well. Um, um, Leclerc was being helped by Perez's his, his toe when he was running ahead of Verstappen, but a couple of races ago, I think that Red Bull would have would have breathed straight back by. So it's just not quite that simple, and especially when like the Alpine we know is is not is, is the least powerful of the four engines. I think that's what was 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 you know it's is it the combination of things really hurting Alonso. But you just got to be like right, we'll make it as skinny as possible, and you've got to cope with it. And to be fair to him, he did he did really well and and got some fantastic points for the team. And that brings us on to the two McLarens, who at one point in the race, Ricardo was saying. I'm being held up. Let me pass. Fast forward. Reverse situation. Lando Norris says, I'm being held up. Let me pass. They're going to try and do some, I'll let you pass. But if you can't make a move on Alonso, then you've got to give it up. And it all starts to get a bit, you know, a little bit complicated. Uh, But in the end, it was, you know, it all stayed as it was. And again, for McLaren, the result definitely flatters them because this was an event they didn't expect to do well in. And they have got some half-decent points uh, coming out of today because people ahead of them um, retired. Um, Jess, you actually mentioned uh, Danny Ricardo earlier in the podcast that there's going to be some recency bias on that. And everyone's like, yeah, he's back. But it's not a, a, a pure performance win. No, I mean, there was, still some, there was still some decent driving. But I think the thing was that they McLaren, because they knew that they weren't very quick around here, they had to be clever with strategy and they had to see what they could magic up which is what they did so they split strategy at the beginning um and then they were kind of running too slightly even though they were together for most of the race um annoyingly for each other they were they were playing different strategies which is why there was so much back and forth between the engineers and the drivers because they needed to let their driver understand that okay you know we're we're doing different things here so for instance when Daniel wanted to get past Lando in the sec- kind of second phase of the of the race was the fact that the team wanted Lando to stay out and be protected from uh they wanted to get the overcut on Alonso so Daniel was protecting Lando from Alonso by slowing him down and, and meaning that when Lando went to pit he had a chance of coming out ahead of him so it was quite a clever strategy day for McLaren um, they also chose like not to pit at various stages. Um, I think the first set VSC they didn't pit, so they they gained track position there, and they managed to manage tires pretty well to go further into the stints. So, yeah, it was it was it just it's good. It's always good. I, I kind of like it when teams are on the back foot and they're forced to come up with clever ways, or they have to think in moment like, okay, we've got nothing to lose here. Let's just let's just go for it. Um, and 
a lot of the time or some of the time at least it, it will it will deliver so but yeah it was it was quite interesting although both drivers after the race seemed pretty fine with what went on um it didn't feel like yeah i saw they were both you know, you know pretty happy with the result and joking around yeah, lando's and- always want to always going to want to finish ahead of his teammate um but in in that scenario mclaren was just trying to bring home as many points as they can um which is you know something for them that 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 they need to be doing obviously again captain office mm. they need to be bringing every team needs to be bringing home points but they're always going to want to do that in in the in the way that it means that they can maximize it the most so i think it it was it was interesting for us to listen to i think there was this is always going to be the problem with TV broadcasts and what radio that we are played um, in moment. There was a lot of um, unhappiness about not letting Daniel through when they had, at one point mm. they had Pierre Gasly on their tail. So if they had played around with swapping positions, they'd have absolutely been got by Gasly. Then we had the Alonso overcut situation. So we're only played certain... Which didn't work. It, which it, failed it, spectacularly. It did, but at least so. you know, they were giving it a go. Just very quick. I think it was just being too ambitious with that overcut attempt. I think if they're just right, cover, cover Alonso now and let Ricardo run clear of Gasly, it probably is less of a lessened situation, but we are I am able to say that with hindsight. But also just I think you're right, the, the radio messages played out and selected in the way they were made it seem like a much, much bigger drama than, than which, probably. Which is was. Like, you know, F one's not helping itself, is it? Um but I mean, the, 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 unfortunately, I mean, I would flip in. I know, I know if you if you subscribe to F1 TV, you can listen to as many as much radio as you like, most part. Um, but I think it's it. I would and I would absolutely welcome to listen to all the radio. I find that the most fascinating part of probably watching the racing. But um, yeah, it's 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 a case of we. That's not how it works on broadcast. So we're always going to get a slightly skewed narrative, which I think people not to tell people off, but people would do well just to have that in the mind a bit more because so many storylines get spun off from only hearing very small snapshots of actually what is going on there's chatter all the time on the radio and we hear tiny little fragments of them so it's it's something that that kind of comes back to bite um f1 a a number of times because of yeah because of that Mm. Also on the radio, if you are going to uh, listen back and watch it to anyone anyone doing that, there is a massive, well, there's a, there's a significant yeah, delay exactly. of at least two or three seconds. So there's that, that meme of Lance Stroll in, what is it, Russia 2020, where the engineer's like, no, it must be last year, 2021, where Norris lost it, the yeah. race. Uh, do you think do you think you can, yeah. do you think you can stay out and hold these conditions? And he goes, <laughs> and yes, and goes off. straight into the wall afterwards. But that's because he answered the question about five <laughs> seconds before the cat like it's not more, it, it, right? it, it, it wasn't happening as yeah. live yeah exactly yeah so it's not so when when it comes out like, on the live tv broadcast that you're seeing it's probably <laughs> at least 30 seconds maybe a minute maybe a couple of laps old but when you're watching it live on, on f1 tv there is a delay that needs to be appreciated like i noticed it with leclerc when he came into the pit lane and had his meltdown when he saw science was there because ferrari called him in too late he's gesturing with his hands and it's it, that's when he's shouting down the radio whereas that doesn't happen until if you watch the video anyway sorry i've gone down a, a massive uh, a massive tangent there no, I noticed that before because some of the best radio is after the flag. So if you have, if you do subscribe to F1 TV and you've got time, um, often it's fun just to go back and change the driver and just listen to the chatter for the for that cooldown lap because they seem to obviously they keep a lot off the radio and a lot for the debrief, um, but they seem to be a little more relaxed and kind of forget. And, and and it's interesting hearing the engineers coaching them on like you haven't done this, but also it's interesting to hear that chatter. But I'm glad you said that, Alex, because a few times I've sort of seen the gears change on the wheel and it's like the audio doesn't match and that must be why. So 
I'm not going mad. I'm not going. But I, but I would. I, rec- I would. If you have time on a Sunday, I'd recommend going back or any time actually, uh, and going back and listening because I was always really fascinating team radio. Um, at the end of that, sorry, Jess, I, I, I talked over you. No, I think that's. I, I can't remember what I was going to say. So you probably said uh, something uh, far fine. more interesting. Right, than right, that right. Okay, so there we go. <laughs> Uh, so, so Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon were the two that made the hard, made the strategy work with running long. They both did 33 laps on the hards and stayed out and then did a shorter stint um, on the mediums, uh, both finishing in the top 10 um, and getting some decent points. So, yeah, double points finished for Alpine, double points finished for um, McLaren, benefiting those teams that um, were able to stay out and, and get some reliability as well. Let's work our way down. Also good to see uh, Valtteri Bottas in, in 11th, missing out on the points. But uh, yesterday on Saturday's podcast with Matt and John Noble, they were talking about how Alfa Romeo have kind of kind of gone backwards a little bit in terms of they were bringing those upgrades and really impressing and then this weekend a little bit more anonymous anyone else having that that feeling would agree with John I think John's John's just upset that um, Bottas didn't prove his Sector 3 of Spain theory around Monaco What's that so theory? he's probably got a uh, there's a theory that basically you can look at Sector 3 in Spain and it should give you a good indication of who's going to come out well in Monaco and John had well it was true Valtteri was really good through Sector 3 in Spain and then nothing happened in Monaco so um, I'm only joking of course I'm I'm completely pulling John's leg but yeah um, he's, he's probably got a lot of bad things to say because then that justifies his <laughs> predictions still <laughs> remaining true or valid. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pleased you brought it up because John also has a theory about F2 and F1 at Baku. And his theory is if F2, <laughs> John's wild theory. If, yeah, his, his theory is, is F2 is crazy and, and everyone bins it, then F1 will be very boring because all the teams have just seen it and gone, ooh, and actually in, in, in F2 this weekend on the sprint race, that was just a destruction derby. In fact, there was a really horrible accident at the end. Was it Callan Williams getting like two cars, like T-boning him? It was horrible. It, it was not that high speed, but it was a horrible accident. And so that was John's theory. There was a fight in the paddock after the race. Was there? <laughs> Who was fighting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't, one of the driver's dads and the other another driver's manager. Yeah, I'm going to... Oh, yeah, no, dad, don't do it, dad. I'll, I'll, I'll put... It was the, um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Kem Belusky, the, the Turkish F2 driver's father and Roy Nassani's trainer, had a tete-a-tete. Got uh, into it. Oh, sorry, I spoke over, I always love <laughs> Matt Q keeps trying to, Matt Q will use that, any excuse to use that in a race report. Yes, I have, I have noticed that. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, we had an amu- we had an, yeah, we had an amusing conversation in Bahrain about it. He absolutely loves it. Well, I'm less yeah. of a fan. Um, so, so, but you're right. <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I would subscribe to John's theory of, uh, F, F, like basically okay, the F1 driver teams get spooked by F scary F2 races at Baku. So they ease off and then if it's fine, and then you'll just have a mental F1 race. Uh, let's work our way down a little bit. Alex Albon, um, again, pace, uh, or at least results, um, disappearing as quick as the red-haired dye has done. <laughs> um, we talked about it before on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it before. Make, there's another theory. There's another theory. Red. Stay Trick. red. Stay red, my friends. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, of course, with his uh, duct tape rear wing, ring, uh, wing coming home in, in 13th, uh, not being able to use. Uh, his DRS, Mick Schumacher, 14th, and then Latifi in 15th, and Lance Stroll in 16th. So, yeah, the DNFs for 
uh, Kevin Magnuson in the Haas and the two Ferraris as well. And, and I'm sure the internet, Jess, will come back at you and say, oh, yes, but uh, correlation doesn't mean causation. But there is something here with Ferrari. So uh, as, we, uh, as we start to turn our attention on the podcast to looking forward to Canada... I think we kind of covered a, a, a lot of it off, but is there? I mean, there's nothing that they can do, is there? It's you know, it's it's on the freight. Well, it's not even that freight. It's a different set of freight that's already in Canada. There's nothing the teams can do at this short notice apart apart from they can change components on reliability and upgrade on reliability, but it's as as you were, isn't it? Worried times at Ferrari. Anything else that we haven't covered off on the podcast yet before we talk about Canada? Yeah, can we talk about uh, Joe Guan Yu? Because he was brilliant. He was much better than Bottas. And Bottas is like, yeah, I don't know why he's so much faster than me. You can't explain it. And he's just been, like, he got that point in Bahrain on debut. And just since then, his run of luck has been appalling. And, you know, considering, like, the other, because he comes in with that sort of pay driver reputation. I know Formula One are absolutely delighted to have a Chinese driver in Formula One because of the markets and the opportunities that, you know, the suggestions there might be a second race in Beijing, you know, things like that. Um the, the opportunities that, that that come from 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 his presence there, the other the other drivers with the pay driver tag, Stroll and Latifi this year, have just been awful. <laughs> Whereas Joe has been very good and yet has had catastrophic misfortune. And and again, the, the car lets him down again, and you sort of hear him on the radio. It's like, guys, what this? Wow, can this still be happening? So um, yeah, I just thought it would be worth giving him a, a shout out because he was um, he was very impressive this weekend. I I totally agree there. He was he was I would tipped him for points as he was coming through the field uh, and looking sort of where Bottas was. Like Indeed, he was quicker than Bottas and was ahead of him. And Bottas finished 11th. So he would have been probably battling Ocon for that final point. But yeah, it just, yeah, he was very, very unlucky. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> much as like his comments over the radio, sort of his, yeah, post-race was just like, oh, not, not again. But you sort of feel like regardless of that, if he keeps putting in those sorts of performances, given that he is still a rookie, of course, his, his fortune will change and, and things, will, things will come well. I guess one driver that I'd like to mention, just because it was a not a race he'll remember for any of the right reasons a, again, which is sort of the tale of the season again, is Nicholas Latifi picking up <laughs> oh, penalties like they're sweeties. So, <laughs> oh, but granted, least, uh, the first, his first one wasn't he, his fault, though, was it? His first not one wasn't his, fault. his fault. But the, the blue well, flag one, at least the FIA decided oh, to, to, to give some penalties for blue flags, because obviously I wasn't on the podcast after Monaco, but I went I went through it. and counted, oh, Both Williams cars, over 20 Blue flag marker boards yeah. they passed in front of the Ferrari cars. Not a, not a thing. How can the FIA have allowed that? Like, yeah. the race was lost. Perez would have exactly. won that race, but Leclerc should have been second if Albon had jumped out of his way immediately, as he should have done. Like, so I'm sorry, I know yeah. we're talking about another different race again. I know I do this a lot of time in the podcast, but I just thought it was fascinating. Oh, the FIA decided to penalise being ignoring blue flags again. If they, why not do that in Monaco? It's almost like they were sort of reminded of that rule for this race. So as soon as the TFE was like borderline, it's like, right, slam five second penalty and his comments after the race of explaining what happened there um so apparently he was waiting to get through the get through the castle tight twisty section to give gasly drs behind him because gasly was trying to lap him because that was sort of the fairer way to do it even though he'd already held him up it was Just almost like the TV was sort of trying way. to make <laughs> yeah it's like I'll, I'll make my own blue flag rules and not listen to the FAA which was like no that's not how it works but anyway but yes and his initial penalty granted not his fault very strange one but even Latifi was sort of justifying it saying the punishment didn't fit the crime yeah. 
Which I get, but that's, again, that's not how the rules sort of work. Like they're, they're, they are a typical sort of about FIA and applying rules is a whole other <laughs> world and a whole other podcast, I'm sure. But yeah, rules are rules. Are rules. Like the, the, the mechanic was touching the car, rolled it, rolled it back into the grid slot before, well, after the time they meant to not be touching the car. So yeah, there's, there's no defence to that. It's, it's a slam dunk, 10 second stop go penalty. But yeah, not a great race for Nicholas TV. Thank you for being the first person to mention the castle and a shout to Castle Cam on the podcast today, uh, which the camera operator was particularly enjoying uh, operating from the uh, from the tower of the castle. Um, I'm loving some of the coverage this year, but my, my favourite... I, I thought, sorry, I thought you were introducing a sponsor there. That's what I, I, totally I, I saw. I sort of, I sort of, I sort of nodded, like, "Oh, that a very good segue there, Martin." What a segue, <laughs> Castle Cam. Sorry, are they like you know a camera seller? No, I'm just, uh, I'm just impressed with the uh, the the cutaway shots. Could from be the, a sponsor, right? Get yeah, onto if, it. If, on Monday, if you own, we'll find it. Castle Cam. Castle Not too late now. What do we need from Montreal? Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's let's move let's move forward then to uh, to Canada, and um, <clears throat> I'll try and do a segue that's even half as good as that accidental one. Um, Jess, you broke the internet this week when on Thursday uh, you retweeted, there is only one thing girls want. It starts with a P and ends with an S. And you replied, (laughs) or rather you quote retweeted, paddock passes, which is brilliant. That's what girls want. Which is we and and it did break the internet. So congratulations on that. And so you, you, so I didn't know that. You're off to Canada next yes, week or this week. I got yeah. I literally got accredited on Thursday. So yes, um, nice. very very quick scramble to get visas, flights, and hotels, which uh, Alex will tell you uh, well, wasn't I was going to say, I was gonna say Jess, what are you doing oh, for a hotel? Because Luke and I are staying in. Uh, I think they're like just empty for the summer university halls accommodation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've managed to I've managed to dodge the uh, dodge the halls, uni halls. Um, this is where having a partner that works in Formula One, where you can just share a room with them, comes into uh, comes into its own. So, luckily, Chris had already booked my partner. Chris had already booked a hotel, and so I'm just kipping in with him. So, luckily, he didn't didn't book a single room, or you'd have had the bed, and he'd have been on the on the sofa. Well, right? exactly, so, yeah, because you'd have still general. been in the room, but. Oh, lovely! That's such good news, and we look forward to it because, um, yeah, some of the, the like the, the stuff that we were bringing, um, all the guys from uh, from Miami, uh, when you were out there with the rest of the team, was uh, was just so good to to get that extra that extra flavour on top of what we always do as well. And Alex, you are back because uh, this year you are. In fact, listeners would have picked up on it by now, but if not, um, there it's pretty much a flip flop between you and Matt Q actually at the races but of course then Canada leading into Silverstone which will be doing both of those uh, events as well so heading into uh, I don't know how some of the journalists for the other outlets are, are doing basically every you know every event this year so almost like some of them are too obsessed with it but anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just with the travelling it's, it's alright to, it's, it's right to be obsessed with Formula obsession. 1 it's just anyway yeah very much looking forward to getting back to Canada I've never been before I hear excellent things uh, about Montreal I don't mind the uh, the, the, the uni halls um, I didn't act, my, my, my uni halls were like a, a weird sort of student village miles away from the centre of the city so it wasn't like a typical halls experience so I'm, I'm looking forward to this but as long as it's got internet and a bed I'm happy because in Monaco I had a place to sleep, but I wouldn't call it a bed. It was uh, it was an extremely oh. <laughs> fetching sofa that folded down flat. And this is not a, you know, I'm not like tiny violins is not a poor me thing, but yeah. it wasn't a sofa bed. 
it was a, a lovely sofa. Genuinely, I was like, that would look good in like nice boy. It was very, very fashionable. <laughs> sleeping on it was, so was slightly tricky. Uh, so yeah, I'm just as long as I've got a bed and some internet, I'll be happy in, in Montreal. When anybody okay. says that the, the F1 is glamour, like this is just a little bit of we obviously we love the fact that we get to go to these races. And I honestly, every time I get the little email that says your accreditation has been approved, I, it it's like the best feeling ever. But yeah, it isn't all, you know, it, it, we were saying people were asking us about Monaco and going, oh God, like how many parties did you go to? I was like, what? What parties? Yeah. I mean, we went to, there was the Red Bull one, which was which was good fun, but that was pretty much all we, uh, so, all we did. So you did go to but, a party. So you did but, go to a party. But for the most part, it was finding something to eat at like 11 p.m. Like that was just, sub- actually, do you know yeah. what? I think... I counted the entire time that I was in Monaco, I had, so we were there from what, Wednesday to Monday, I had four meals. Wow. Like proper meals, I had Jamie, four I meals. Be all on you. Would you not took be one happy for the team. I know, right? It's not, yeah. it's, it, you, you know, it isn't all, it isn't all, it isn't all glamour. Let's just say that. But it yeah, is we, good We fun. missed you on that podcast because you, you were still hard at it. We well, yeah, uh, was, you yeah, us, uh, For that pod in the, uh, in the, in the media centre. Right, thank you very much for listening today dear listener uh, make sure you check out uh, autosports.com obviously a lot of racing this weekend uh, across many series and we got you covered uh, check out autosport.com and the magazine out on Thursday it'll be about 4,000 pages big because there's so much to talk about uh, thank you very much for listening if you like the podcast please leave a review on Apple Podcasts on your phone or if you use Shudder iTunes on a computer like I do uh, you can still leave a little star rating or a review and um Say a few words, helps us grow the show, and other people who love Formula One pick up on it. Do do we dare read any of them out on the next pod? Uh, okay, so leave <laughs> yes, a review and we'll read it out. That's questions. Please Q&A. be nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> please be and nice. send in your questions about F one. Thanks, Jess. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, uh, leave us a review. We'll read it out next time in Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky. In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, seven days time. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. 
People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text Easy to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.